Welcome, welcome to another... The official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Just go. You're wasting time. Welcome to Pottercast, your number one source for news, theories, discussion and interviews with people from the Potter books and films. I know a small amount myself having written the books. My name is J.K. Rowling. I am now happy to introduce your hosts, Melissa, John and Sue. And Frank. Welcome guys, it's Pottercast 173. 173. 173. With just Melissa and, and Sue and Frack this week because John has gotten ill. John got sick. It's his own fault and we will, make, we will tell you why in the drums. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he's a silly, silly man. Yes, he is. So, okay. We have some great news this week, Sue. Why don't we get right oh, into it? We have it? a lot of news. Um... I, it's not really well. I'll tie the important number one, um, but it, make sure to go check on um, podcast videos, our YouTube channel for our big news. Okay, but starting out at number five, um, Tom Felton, who plays Draco Malfoy. For those of you I know who have been following this, um, he appeared on the um, Jack Osborne uh, reality program, and we have video of him swimming with a shark, and he bungee jumps, and it's this really cool moment when he actually is like kind of afraid, and like, it's really pretty dramatic, and he's like. Okay, I'm gonna tell my and he tells his girlfriend that he loves her before he jumps off. Oh my god! That's not very Draco of him. It's kind of emo. I'm kidding. I mean, it's not very. I, I don't think I would ever bungee jump. I'm sorry, that's just one thing. I I really want to. <gasps> do you really? I want to do it once. Yeah. See, bungee jump scares the crap out of me. I I really want oh, to skydive. That's what I meant. I'm sorry, not bungee jumping. That's that's yeah. That's. Because bungee jumping, yeah, the no. fact that you do it and then you do it again and again and again consecutively, it's like, no, no, no. I jump once, I, I fell, I land, I'm good. Not going, bing, bing, bing. Uh-uh. No, thank you. Yeah, like a yo-yo. Yes, it's a human yo-yo. It's perfect. Well, so. not me. I I mean, I have no problem because I, I like to snorkel and scuba dive, so this, the whole shark thing doesn't scare me at all. But that whole bungee and skydiving, mm-mm. I'll stick to that balloon. We'll podcast from a balloon. That's fine because I got something under my feet, but flinging through the air. Just, <laughs> no. No free fall podcasting for no, you. No, thank you all. Um, so this is kind of cool. Our next story. This is really pretty cool. Um, artist Mary Grand Prey. Um, oh my gosh, know, she is the artist who does the artwork for these classic editions of the um, U.S. Harry Potter novels. She has an exhibition that's being on display at the Cedar Rapids, Iowa Museum, and um, go there. It's 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 open now. And it's running until February fifth, and she's done almost ninety six different um, pieces of artwork. They're on display. You can walk through. And um, she's done some new pieces for it. Or, well, including alternate covers that she had done, drawn for the um, Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows and Harry Potter and Catholic Prince, which is amazing. And she also did, um, you can see her special pencil sketches, excuse me, of stuff she did for Beetle pencil the Bard and her the original, ever. like, um, there's one of her dragon of her, which she'd done for the deluxe edition of the thing. And then mm-hmm. just some of her, in the Scholastic editions, we have um there's a piece of art at the head of each chapter and you can see some of those too as well as some some of you might have seen them for uh, calendars i don't know when they stopped making those but if you ever have those those are marvelous artworks but you can see the pencil sketches for that too it's just i want it all yeah. precious well what the one that the one that i love the most of those is that is the one that says harry potter in the school of magic instead of sorcerer's stone on the front it shows that they were really considering the title not in just talk they were they were real they, i mean they had a mock-up of school of magic on the front yeah isn't that amazing? Because Arthur, that was Arthur's alternate alternate title to Philosopher's Stone, and Joe didn't like it. 
that that's mentioned in, in Melissa's kind of be a monster, but it is mentioned in the, in the book, which is kind of for me. I was really surprised to learn that. I was like when I was reading, it, I was like, oh, so that's where that came from. So that was really kind of a cool moment as a fan to learn that. And then and here's a fun fact: the French the French book is translated to Harry Potter and the School of Magic. Oh, oh, really? Yep. Did they not have a uh-huh. word for philosopher's stone that translated nicely for it, or what? I think the French people just liked it, but I don't know. It was French. <laughs> the French have to be we different. Want the school of magic. <laughs> they were being kind of French. That's horrible. I just have a horrible impression. I'm kidding. No, I just but, my yeah. horrible French impression. <laughs> oh, oh! I thought you said I was being horrible about the. French. No, well, I was like, ah, school of magic. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's kind of bad. So I'm sorry. No, no, this is very, very cool stuff. So if you get a chance, it's, it's running now to, through February 5th, and uh, go see it, check it out. I want to go. Sketch is the best thing in the world. Um, this this is kind of a surprise, I have to say, our next news item. It involves the film, an actress named Emma Thompson, who, as we know, plays Professor Trelawney, and she is not going to be reprising her role for the last movies. Okay, does that mean they're going to recast, or she's just not that character's not going to be in? It? I think it's, she's not going to be. Okay, in Okay, so it's not that she turned it down; it's just that she's not. She wouldn't be able to come back in if she wanted. Well, she's choosing yeah. not to come back because she's um, she writes and does these films called the, the Nanny McClee, which was um, a very successful film for her. She played a different yeah. kind of witch, and um, she's making a second movie for that, and she's choosing to, to focus on that instead of doing the. Oh, I loved her as Trelawney. She was so great as Trelawney. Oh, she's perfect. She was just. But Ugh. this is again. I'll try not to rant. One of my big beef is that you know the adults are just relegated to just a few. You know they're not prominently featured in the films, and I can understand why she viewed it. Her comments where she is a turn in the in the film. They aren't really like a big performance for her. So That's, uh, I, I totally get it. It's just me being selfish. I wanted oh, her back because I absolutely. loved her as Trelawney. What mm-hmm. do you think, Melissa? How do you feel? Do you think that they'll still cast that part? I mean, I would have loved. I would have loved to see her hurling the 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 crystal balls down and i think they could have done that in in one day and she could have been in it you know um but she clearly doesn't have it the the spot in her heart that we would want her to have for it and so okay we'll focus on other things and honestly like if she was going to be in either the sixth or the fifth i'd rather her have been in the sixth than i mean the the sixth or the seventh i'd rather been in the sixth because she has a more prominent part in the sixth with the horror whole like being upset and the the Rumor requirement, and then the um, the lightning struck tower. That would have been cool to have seen, but but as it is, she's not. So yeah, well, yeah. So you'll hear coming up in our newscast. We do talk about our continuing story uh, focus on a canon conundrum about Beetle the Bard, and I know we're all excited for it. And then people in the UK, pay attention now because they are going to be having release parties at Borders at midnight for the release of the Tales Mm -hmm. of Beetle the Bard by J.K. Rowling. Yeah. Yes. And uh, Waterstones is having many parties the next day starting at 8 a.m. So if you live in the U.S. And, and Leaky's, Leaky's plans for that week have been under discussion for quite a, quite a while. And we're, we're, we're figuring, we're finalizing some things this week. So pay attention next week uh, if you are going to be in the New York area. Bum, bum, oh, I will say. Yeah, we've got some fun stuff coming. So, okay, okay. very cool. Um, so now we had a couple of really big things happen this week. So we're going to have a series of number ones. On um, one of our number ones, oh, okay. one, <laughs> I know. One of our number ones is that Joe has written um, a piece for uh, a couple months ago. We talked about a book for the birthday book in honor of Prince Charles, who is the Prince of Wales, and they were putting it out for his 60th birthday. And they asked a bunch of uh, pretty famous people to contribute to it. Um, and Joe has written a piece and about what well, she writes about the uh, Deathly Hallows in from Deathly Hallows which she writes about the Forbes scene and um, that has now appeared online in The Guardian she wrote about it it's pretty 
I thought it was lovely. It was very beautiful how she was um, just... How she was talking about birthdays? Uh, more, I, I yeah, I, I mean, more, I was, the part where she was talking about how, um, the duty, and, like, the fact that, you know, a prince is a prince, and so, like, the duty to, you know, to, to accept that mantle, and then just the responsibility, and the, the choice that's involved, even though there's, it sometimes just, it's perceived as there's not a lot of choice when you're born into something like that, it was mm-hmm. really interesting, I never really kind of gave it much thought yeah. in that direction, so I really enjoyed it, it was a good read. Very cool. Um, Sorry. It, it, I thought it was beautiful. She, you know, I I love. I will listen to anything she wants to talk about the books and anything. But this, I thought, this was really a nice little piece. Um, the book is going for charity, which does help support his. Uh, he has a number of charities, and this will help uh, children in the arts. And also, the uh, Quentin Blake, the artist Quentin Blake, drew a new sketch of Harry walking through the forest, which you can see online too. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. What? Dang it! In fact, you read Leaky. I do. That's why I'm pissed that I missed a drawing post. Yeah, it's, it's in the icon. <laughs> if you look at the story right beside it, you can see it there, too. <laughs> uh, so that's, stupid that's He's a marvelous <laughs> author. And we'll have a link to his website. You should go check it out because it's so good. It's just marvelous. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's see what else. Another number one. Let's see. Oh, it involves something trailer. What was that? Oh, that's right. We got a new trailer for Harry Potter. So I love how you, I forget it. I'll say it, I'll say okay. it later. I think I know where you're going with okay. this, but it's very funny. Yes, we got a new trailer. It was amazing. Goodness sakes! Yes, and you can and you can hear our our full out reaction to the trailer on our YouTube channel. Actually, we we released a little a little leaky extra. But if you want to see if you want to hear our reaction to it with also audio, I mean I'm sorry, video. Go to our YouTube. Uh, page at youtube.com slash pottercast and you can like basically have a, a trailer accompanying the podcast and what moments we're talking about it's 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 like a people always have been saying that we should do an enhanced podcast where you have the um the pictures that come up in itunes this is sort of like that but it's on youtube so yeah. go check so it out. Our, our friend mr frankie was not was not able to join us that but now that you're here what do you think tell us what do you think Oh my gosh. Okay, first of all, me being the huge Hermione nerd that I am, I love Hermione. I love that shot of her hair. I hope, I know it's probably because of the potions, <laughs> but I hope it's like that for at least a good 15, 20 minutes on film because that's Hermione's <laughs> hair. And that's, and like, ugh, I loved it. It, it was a lot of fun. And then the bridge. Oh my gosh, they broke a bridge. Um, yes. <laughs> the the bridge. apparition, uh, just bridge. the potion class in general. I'm excited. Like, this was, like, what I liked about the other trailer, like, the first trailer we saw, it was really just um, very, uh, I don't know, thought-provoking and kind of very dry. And then the, the next, the international one was, like, I think a nice, it was a nice bridge between these two. This one was a lot more just kind of, like, summer blockbuster, all, like, a lot of big shots and stuff like that, and a lot of the humor at the end and whatnot. And then, um, so it's nice to see both sides of it. So, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It, it was wonderful. Um, we have high resolution these marvelous screen caps in our galleries our gallery crew did a fantastic job and it's amazing one of the things that melissa caught too that i hadn't noticed until i went back and looked at this was that on the apparition scene when they're coming back is when harry is you know it's after the cave so it starts out at the beginning of the movie and they do that whole swirling and it comes back towards the end i thought that was so slick but to see dumbledore kind of leaning on harry wow Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um, okay, here's a question. I know I'm going to like embarrass myself here, but in the potion scene that you're talking about with, with class with Slughorn and Hermione's hair, 
If you look at that, there's a Hufflepuff standing in the background behind by by uh, uh, Romilda Vane and behind Seamus. Did uh-huh. they cast a new Susan Bones? Do we know? I had not. There's a, there's a girl that's sta- it's not her friend. I don't think it's uh, Elaine. It might just be one of those one of those extra students hanging around. <laughs> oh come on, Melissa, play along. <laughs> Say, of course there's a Hufflepuff in the scene. Come on. <laughs> Of course there's a Hufflepuff in the scene, too. <laughs> but I thought that was squeakful. Okay, I just had to put that out. Like, yes, there's a Hufflepuff in the scene. Yes, why um, Okay, but I just thought that was marvelous. That whole trailer was... But what did you think, Frankie, about Don't Call Me Coward? That whole... Snape. Because he's saying Avada Kedavra, isn't he? Is that what he's saying? Did I miss that? I don't know. He's, like, gesturing with his wand. And then, then of course they cut it till it's like when the the maybe maybe he's just putting the curse on here because they the next thing they cut to is when they're they're fire blasting the Hagrid's hut. Oh, it's only like I haven't watched like ten billion times since we not really ten billion, but a lot. Yeah, I mean it was just it was really cool seeing everything, the the Quidditch, um, the fire, the the fire that uh, Dumbledore. Does was cool. Um, was that Dumbledore in the fire? Yeah, with him, Fury. Yeah. Oh, those guys were creepy, slimy. Yeah, really gross. But you could see them kind of slinking their way out of the out of the water. It was amazing. Melissa, I have a question for you, and maybe you can. I don't really yeah. know about this, but in this shot, there's a shot of Hermione that looks like she's crying after what was probably the death of Dumbledore. She's crying, mm-hmm. and I know you'll think this is weird that I'm mentioning this, but she is wearing a T-shirt. That looks like just from Hot Topic. Do you know that that is the t-shirt she was wearing the day that we interviewed her on the set? And that question was asked, like, is that t-shirt from Hot Topic? Because <laughs> it looks just like, I mean, seriously, it looks like she picked it up. I think I think it's just Gryffindor Pride kind of thing. But she seriously looked like she was wearing something out of Hot Topic. You're yeah, totally right. Because I thought well, was it was really it? funny. It, it just really surprised me because that looked like just such a modern kind of product almost. I mean, which I know it's not, but. It just looked like... Which, yeah, inside the yeah. film. That's product placement for Gryffindor. It's so strange. I agree. It's okay, weird. I, just, I thought I was going crazy there for a minute. It's as though maybe this all happens on the same day as the last Quidditch match. Oh, okay. And maybe that's why she's wearing a Gryffindor okay, shirt. Yeah. You know? Well, that makes sense. So funny to see her. Just, it's like, whoa. Wait, what? Yeah, it was hilarious. I was like, that's a Hot Topic shirt. Okay. okay. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> So. Um, okay, so one of our other things on its way to number one, but our friend who has written a really fabulous book. <laughs> I knew you were going to do this. Yes. Last. It's called Harry History by our friend Melissa Nelly, right here, is cool. debuting at number 18 on the New York Times bestseller list. Woohoo! Oh, yes. Kind of a big deal. Thank you. So here's what's really confusing that I've just found out about the New York Times bestseller list. It's on the website now, It's but. And they, and they, and they, it's not supposed to be, it's an early list. Like my publisher just got it on Wednesday, which means it will be coming out, but it's not going to be in the paper until November 22nd. What? Really confusing. The New York Times is a little bit confusing on this issue, but yes, it's going to be a New York Times. I'm very, very enormously excited. And thank you everybody who's bought it and who's been talking about it and, and yeah, (laughs) everything. Thank you. But I... And I knew, I knew you, Sue. I knew we got a trailer, yeah. Joe, and you just, and you saved this for last. You're, you're, you're very adorable. No, but it's awesome. No, I think no, no. I'm going to be sued. I'll just, I don't care what people think, but I'm just going to say this. Here you are, a young woman under the age of thirty, your debut novel, 
and you're debuting at number 18 on the New York Times bestseller list. I'm sorry. That does not that does not happen to many people. And I think that is an, a, an amazing accomplishment, and we are all very proud of you, and I just think it rocks. So well done to you. Ditto. Thank you. It is only better knowing that I have this kind of friend system in place here and that you guys are cheering. That's that's nothing's better than that. And then and all the emails I'm getting. The, the emails I'm getting from people about the book are just amazing and I'm gonna try and start responding to them and it's really really hard. Yeah. But I'm gonna try and start answering. Um so thank you, 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 that's sort of what I sounded like when I found out. Come on, you squeed, you admit it. Come on, admit it. Oh my god. Not even a little. It was a lot. That's so Yeah. I squeed and screamed a bit. I cursed a lot. So but the question is, how's your mom doing? She going crazy? Oh my god, my mom. She's going to wear a sign that says New York Times best-selling mom. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she is just the most excited person on the face. And it's funny because I, I did a reading the other night and now people are coming who have read the book and so they're talking about it. And so um, they, my mom was there and they asked me about her because she's in the book and uh, kind of a fight we had is in the book. And it was so curious to get a, to get a question about her with her sitting right there. It was really bizarre. Kind of one of those check yourself moments, yeah. you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Me too. They, they are the most supportive. My parents are the most supportive people in the world. It's you crazy. are very lucky. I must say, I do not have that kind of support system from a fam- my my own immediate family like you do, and it just amazes me. I mean, I don't know if you've seen Melissa's her family. Her sister is incredible. I just you know, it's awesome. It's awesome to watch and see. I have very an amazing cool. family. Very, 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 very fortunate. That's the, the best kind of fortune you can have. So, in that case, I'm very rich. So, very cool. Anyway, I'm sorry, I was getting sad. No, it's awesome. It's a great <laughs> it's so time, cool. you know, because this is a celebration too of our fandom too. I mean, this is great that, uh, you know, I hope people read it and understand a little bit more about that. This is not just oh, people dress up in silly hats at a midnight. Yeah, you know, it's not about I mean, there's that. a lot more to our fandom. Yeah. I hope so. I hope it helps people understand what that's what Publishers Weekly said that the curious might finally understand their friends, which I thought was a high compliment to give the book. So yeah, I'm really, really excited. Um, is there anything else, Melissa? I think for me, that's. I think that's it with news, and we uh, are going to remind you to register for LeakyCon before we start making all these awesome announcements, and then there won't be a ticket left. So do that, LeakyCon.com, and then um, subscribe to our YouTube videos at YouTube.com/podcast. Every day we do a vlog, and it's amazing, and we got a lot of fun stuff coming. You just wait. And that's it. We'll see you. We're going to do a bit by bit. We're going to do uh, more Beetle the Bard. And yes, there are spoilers. And if you don't like it, don't listen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and then we're going to see you at the door. Cool. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. Welcome to Bit by Bit. Yay. <laughs> well, we uh, talk a little bit about Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, right, Melissa? Yes. A little what bit are we talking of a about this bit. week? Uh, this week, this is, we are going to go to a place that was long, fascinated, discussed, theorized for years, I think. It's safe to say in our fandom. We are finally going back to the place where it all began. This is Chapter 16, Godric's Hollow. Oh. Such a good chapter. Okay, so basically, Ron has just left, yeah. and Harry 
you know, wakes up the next morning after all this and, and sincerely hopes it's a dream, which I think we can all, when something bad happens the night before, we all kind of wake up thinking, please let it have just been a dream. Yeah, you get that those few seconds of before that sinking stomach feeling kind of mm-hmm. sits in. It's like, ugh, yeah. it was real. Hermione's crying. You, you know, those moments after you know you've had a fight with someone you really love and you always feel like if something like this happens, and those are just terrible moments, you know, when you like, it's like when you're waking up the next day, those are just like terrible days. You know? I kind of felt sympathy for Harry and Hermione because I, you know, I get that. Yeah. Just, uh, I'm sad to read that part of these few pages. I'm sorry, I'll get, we'll get to that. But anyway, so they, they, they waste a lot of time puddling around, whatever the yeah. word is, uh, puttering, <laughs> sorry, puddling, what the hell, puttering around to um, extend their time there as long as possible because they know that if Ron is trying to find them and he comes back to that spot and they're gone, he's not going to find them again because right. of their their enchantments, their spells. Oh, that's right. And then, so they keep moving about, though, but this is neat, though, right, Frankie? I think the next part is that they just, they stop talking and then Harry did something kind of cool. He was at night because he didn't know how to deal with everything. So what did he bring out? The Marauder's Map, right? And I, I think it's interesting that it actually – I never thought to think that it would work outside of Hogwarts because I've only seen it in the context of Hogwarts. But it's kind of – it's a great just um, insight into what, what Harry's feeling right now because he pulls out this Marauder's Map and he looks for Ron to see if he's like – oh, if he's back in his comfortable four-poster bed in Gryffindor Tower. You know, he has – a you know, trying to – in that regard, and then he ends up just finding Ginny and kind of like listlessly is just looking over this map, and he has to be extremely self-aware at this point of like where he's at, what he's attempting to do, what he's extremely ill-equipped for, quote-unquote. And so it was just a... And it, like something that was just a fun little tool in the third book and a great plot device has really became a, a huge insight into Harry's character, which is really cool. It is, it is. And it was neat how they... they, they that... They were avoiding, at this point, they were avoiding talking about Ron at all. And and yet, I just thought it was interesting how they were dealing with this this third member. This is someone who had become so vital to all of them. And that, that they were just, like, not even talking about it, how they were dealing with that kind of situation. So he was trying to find solace in this tangible, magical item. It was kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I, well, I guess we skipped over this part, but this is cool. Um they they when they disapparated, um, they landed and she wrote the line windswept, heather covered hillside. Mm. Does anybody read like Jane Austen? I kind of <laughs> yeah, that, that. That, that's exactly why I put that. That reminds me. I mean, obviously Heathcliff on the moor. You know, yes. it's very. That's not Jane Austen, but it's it's very that era that um, um, had eighteenth century British. Lots of vegetation around you, uh-huh. kind of thing. <laughs> it's cool. And it's a very romantic place, and mm-hmm. and it's interesting. And Hermione's so distraught; she just starts crying immediately. Yeah, and, you know. Yeah. Wow. I never mentioned Ron's name. Yeah. They're just Isn't... not talking about him. Yeah, it's interesting how people deal with things like that. So I guess if you just don't talk about it, it just you you don't deal with the pain. So or that's just just a way of coping with it. It was a really yeah. interesting. Way. I think it's a little and bit was of both. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So all this silence is like giving Harry all this time to think about what what happened and how they're right. He has no idea what they're supposed to do and how he feels like he's letting down his friends and by extension the world. Yeah. You know? They're doing all the, you know. By not knowing. 
But they do hear some news from Hogwarts, right? Oh, yeah. From Phineas? Yeah. That was such a great, great way. I just thought this was so clever how they... Because I, I thought his character, how she had him being like a little snarky and talkative before, but Joe Brada carried it through in this book. I just thought it was brilliant that he's the unwilling or unwilling news conveyor, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it inserts the funny. She never misses the funny. She never takes yeah. a second. She never, try, you know, whenever she can get the funny in there, she does. And Phineas McGillis brings a little snark. A little he sarcasm, does. You know. And our fandom loves snark, so there we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. But that was fun. You know, and, the, and it's out of the magic, Hermione's magic bag. There he is. That bag is oh, yeah. amazing. I wish my satchel could do that. <laughs> So this is interesting, though, but don't you find it interesting, the things, though, that, that Phineas is talking about, like Snape? I guess that he is of his house, and Phineas would have that, that kind of loyalty to it, but it just... Well, that's Phineas. He's all, you know, that's all he talks about. Snape, yeah. Slytherin, Snape, Slytherin, Slytherin rocks, my, you know, now that Sirius is gone, he can't talk about his heir. Yeah, you know? I guess that's true. Yeah, that's true. But Hermione says something interesting. I mean, they start they start talking about Harry really wants to go to Godric's Hollow. He thinks Hermione's going to say no. And so he's like gearing up his confidence to ask her. And she's sitting and reading Beetle the Bard. And she talks about the Deathly Hollow symbol. And she because which is odd to her because it's not a rune and she can't find a, a, a translation for it anywhere. And Harry informs her that it's Grindelwald, Grindelwald's mark. And she says, if it's a symbol of dark magic, what's it doing in a book of children's stories? Which is such an, <laughs> a, a self-aware statement, because that's almost all that's in children's stories. Is there, there has to be this darkness. Right. Um, it's a nice reflection of what the world thinks of children's stories. And what the world thinks of Harry Potter. It's so evil. Yeah. It's like, no. People dismiss not. it. People dismiss it as children's stories. It doesn't deal with real dark stuff. Well, you know. Can I just tell you this too? This uh, um, on on one of the pages, she's reading and she looks like she was deciphering something in Tales of the Beetle Bard. And this is kind of off tangent, but we're getting the book, the Tales yeah. of the Beetle Bard, and it was translated, yeah. you know, Hermione. And I just think, oh, even back then, was she working on it? I want to know. I'm such a squirrel and read these things. But I was like, oh, no, she said she said that she wasn't. She said that she's just um, she decided later to write them out, <laughs> and then yeah. all of a sudden the stories went from like thirty to five <laughs> because she. <laughs> Because she was going to have to write them, but I think I think it's a nice little piece of continuation that they. It is. Know. It is. That's what just that's moments like that though, Melissa, are what endear me so much. That there's yeah. just this incredible, amazing tapestry. This these multiple layers, these weaving things that then Joe can extrapolate just one little thing like that and make it this thing. It's just so cool. But you know what? I love it. I'm done. That's so squeakle. Ancient runes, back to play now. Okay, so what's going on next, guys? So he approaches um, Hermione about going to Godric Hall. Isn't she just, if I remember, she's just kind of like, I think it'd be a great, yeah, I think that's, it's just a, a very typical Hermione response, just very logically approaching it. It's kind of like, yeah, I think you're right. And Harry was all worried that she that he, she was going to think he was being too emotional about it and like, we can't go there because he's too dangerous. But she was just like, no, I think we got to, which was cool. And, and then, of course, Hermione does what Hermione does best is resort to a book, right? Doesn't she look all this stuff up in the handy dandy bag of her bag and look up the history? Yeah, of magic? Um, the history of magic. <laughs> she said, but she, but she has no. There's no connection to Harry's parents there. But she says something quite obvious to Harry, like, 
Didn't you think that maybe the sword would have some connection to Godric's Hollow? It's Godric Gryffindor's sword. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Harry's really just thinking about visiting his parents' graves. And, which shows you, I mean, the in, the instinct turned out being right when he when he, you know, when he goes to his instinct. Yes, they 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 meet up with Voldemort there, but it is in line with their next clue and their next feeling about what what they've got to do. Obviously, Bathilda Bagshot was important, or Voldemort wouldn't have. Right. Shoved Nagini down her neck. <laughs> I mean, that's really completely disgusting. But. And, and, and you know, for if those of us who have spent any time in the forums and theorizing stuff, that, that Joe would take the time to write out that little part, just like from the history of magic about Godric's Hollow, was such a joyful, I was like so joyful just to read that, even though it had really, it was really fairly, I mean, it is significant, but it wasn't just that she didn't need to put all that in there, and yet she did. And I was like, Joe, thank you. Just write <laughs> all that stuff. So I thought that was really kind of cool. So I'm sorry. I just, I just, this chapter, I love this chapter and it's so. Why are you sorry about that? Oh, you know, but I just, sometimes I feel like I, I just get so carried away and I'm such a goofball fan and just Uber, but I just, I, I, you're you're not not the only carried away goofball fan here. (laughs) There's one place in which that's okay. No, but it's it's, you know that's why I like doing this, and I know that people listening home, you know, you can feel so you take such joy in this, you know, it's just just such a, and this chapter especially had been so long, so vivid in my imagination. I mean, what would they go? They're actually no, and Harry's like, okay, let's just go about the sword. Like you're talking about, like duh, like all of us at home are like, come on, Harry, get with the program, you know. For so many years, we're like, why isn't Harry curious about his parents? Why has he asked nobody what they did? Why hasn't he looked them up? Why hasn't he said, I want to visit my parents' graves? Like, why? Yeah. <laughs> you know? it's, 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 but he finally gets curious when it's, yeah. when it's convenient to the plot, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, well, if you I think mean, about it, it, it probably would have just been something like, oh, well, you can't go there right now. It's like, okay. Yeah, they would have been like, how are you going to get there? Yeah, Especially after Lupin and everyone's like, you have your mother's eyes. You look just like your dad, mom's eyes. You look like your mom's eyes. It's like, <laughs> you think that he hears that for six solid years, and then he'd be like, huh, <laughs> what did they do when they weren't being killed by Voldemort? Yeah. That's horrible. Yeah. And then we have another genius thing. They they plan out, they practice under the invisibility cloak. They're oh, ready. Right. They're ready to go. Uh-huh. And they don't think that it's December and there might be snow. And so they didn't yeah. think to cover their tracks. It's just really right. funny I, right. how smart and stupid they are at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a very good point. You know, the reality, the normal things that you and I might think of, it just totally was not in the forefront of their mind. Especially for someone like Hermione, you know, you would have thought she might have realized. So anyway, so, so they get to the graveyard and they find a memorial, which I thought was really awesome. Harry had, you know, imagine the shock of Harry not even thinking that he's he was enshrined in a memorial from when he was a baby because the Potter family is what ended the war, you know? Mm, that's right. Isn't that, that must have been such an odd moment for him. Here he is, this living, breathing person to see himself, you know, immortalized in this stone kind of permanent thing. That I, I think that would be just very odd to see as yourself. Wait, are we talking about the grave or the, the sign that pops out of the ground? The, the memorial. I don't, where is the sign? The sign's in front of the house, and that's when people like tagged it, and then Hermione was kind of like, "We're not, Ugh. we're not there yet." Okay, I got confused. Then. We're talking about the uh, when they the walk memorial. by and it's um, yeah. James no, and I Lily keep thinking and I missed, Harry. I missed it. I keep thinking that I missed the sign, but I don't. No, no, it's probably later. I'm, I'm, I got turned around. Sorry. 
Um, so, and also too, they realized that it's Christmas Eve. I thought it was her description. It was interesting. It just seemed like a regular town along with this, you know, things are lit up and, you know, it just kind of, there's Christmas music playing and stuff. And that was such an evocative thing. And then when you see this, this memorial, you can hear the music in the background. I thought that was really kind of interesting. And then they go into the graveyard. Wow. Oh, the graveyard. Okay. The graveyard's enormously interesting. They see a couple of graves. First of all, they find the, the Dumbledore, Kendra, and Ariana's graves, mm-hmm. which has a quote from the Bible on it. Uh, Where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. It's Matthew 6, 21. And then they find a very old grave with the, with the DH symbol on it, the Deathly Hollow symbol, and it, all they can make out is Ignotus. And now he's, he's the guy who made the cloak and passed it down. But then Hermione finds Harry's parents' graves, and it says, The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And that's also a Bible quote. That's 1 Corinthians 15.26. And it's, it's really curious because there's been a question about religion in the series all this time. But then I, when we were thinking about this chapter, I was thinking, who picked out these, these quotes? Who was left to pick out these quotes? Only Dumbledore. Dumbledore would have picked it out for his family, and Dumbledore would have picked it out for the Potters because all their friends were dead. Right. That's so, right. or it's dead or in prison. So, you know, is it really that Dumbledore of all the people is is the religious one? Is the one that knows these Bible quotes and 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 applies them? Hmm. That's an excellent that. point. That should, that gives you uh, another insight into this character that you think is, is this. Um, you know, I mean, his mastery of of magic is so immense and stuff. But yet, but he would can take his a religious perspective as well. Um, that's really a good point, Melissa. Wow. I never noticed that. Interesting. There, there's so many. There's been so much question about religion in in the books, and it's never addressedly direct, d- directly, ad- ugh, directly addressed. And then in Deathly Hallows, it's all over the place to the point of direct Bible quotes. You know. Yeah. It's amazing. And one Corinthians, frack. Please correct me if I'm wrong. That's New Testament, right? Yeah, First Corinthians so is New Testament. That's that's definitely Christian. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, yeah. I don't have my Bible by me. I'd like to look it up. Because those context. are letters from Paul. Yeah. Right? Yeah, those are from Paul. Um, I'd like to read the ones around it to get the context of it, but yeah. I'd have to go get it. But she could quote... I mean, J.K. Rowling has a, a mastery of many of many classic tasks, texts, and yet she picks two Bible quotes here. Mm-hmm. It's curious. Yeah, I mean, she could have cho- easily chosen to not make it any sort of, uh, I mean, you can have a great bar, you don't necessarily have to have a Christian kind of quote on the headstone, I mean, obviously not, and uh, it was, I thought it was really interesting, but I think it was because it was talking about her issue facing with death, and I thought these were really, really good choices. And I think, Very. honestly, in the context, when you're, when you're talking about mortality, of like mm-hmm. a character living and dying and just in general mortality, just kind of in your on our own personal context as well, people are a little bit more um, open minded about because normally if it was it was just kind of quoting a Bible, it was like oh whoa 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 you know what I mean people would be kind of get up in arms with it but since it's in the context of like someone who had passed away people are a little bit more just kind of hmm about it you know what I mean a little more take it a little more pensively not just kind of. Uh, get scared of it or just because like oh wait no don't do that it's it's just kind of like okay maybe i don't know does that make any sense yeah okay well i mean it's it's not obviously it's not identified as as bible quotes in the book but 
we only realized afterwards that they were that they sounded vaguely familiar and started looking them up and and as the fans discovered it they're like oh, you know does does this mean that god exists as an entity in the in the in the harry potter world i mean there's a whole podcast we could do about that that you is know? a podcast we could do absolutely and what and her reflection of religion, even though nobody ever mentions God, and they do Christmas without ever ever mentioning the religion behind Christmas, it's interesting to me. Yeah, for me, it's particularly. I remember writing a blog entry about this last year. I was thinking about this, and this in particular next, what happens next, because it's still Christmas Eve, and it, and I'll talk about more next week. But I just found it was such a curious, and extraordinary thing that she she chose Christmas Christmas Eve for this whole sequence of events that are happening and I, and, mm. I, and I thought it was deliberate but it was very interesting choice on her part and, uh, interesting I never even thought of that that's, that's it, well it's crazy yeah, I mean but, oh, I don't want to talk too much about it, but you know what happens next this extreme evil thing on the most holiest day in the Christian I think it's just well the second most holiest I think but um it's just amazing but okay so you know what else is cool can we just talk about the graveyard is it, there's mention of other wizarding families buried here as well which is kind of I know, cool i know we had, we had yeah. talked about is this godrick's hollow like the place where most of the most powerful wizarding families went like there was mention of the abbots and and other thing and i thought that was really kind of cool. oh the abbots Joe, yeah Hannah. you know had had put all those in there it was almost like a like i know joe said that she didn't really go into fan sites and stuff but it almost felt like that was another nod towards the fans like okay yes you know, you guys were right. Kind of. I don't know. It's kind of cool. I like it. Well, I think it's just. I think it's just a, a mark that the it was an all it was an all wizarding settlement. Yeah. So, sure. Was it all wizarding or was no, it, it was just mixed. mostly wizarding? It's mixed. Yeah, it was mixed. But it seems like it would be. I mean, it's called Godric's Hollow. It seems like one of those places that you want to live in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it was. It was wind- yeah. I think it was wizard founded, but it was a mixed community. Right. Yeah. So there's probably a lot of ancestry there. I mean, if the Peverells lived there. It's right. probably an old storied, storied place, you know. You wonder if there was any, like, realtor ads, like, what houses go up for sale there? Just say, come live in Godric's Hollow. Exactly. It might, exclusive. Might be, a magical Might have been community. high real estate, real estate uh, value until, you know, Halloween 1981. That right. might have killed the real estate value for Godric's Hollow. The but, property um, markets took a dive there. Okay, that's <laughs> projects in Godric's Hollow. So... But anyway, the, the quote on the quote on the tombstone is the last enemy that Shelby destroyed is death, and Harry rankles at that. He says that it's a Death Eater idea. Why is that there? And then Hermione really points out the way that it's really it's it's not it's it's not the way the Death Eaters think of it that they don't that they want to not ever die. It's it's the point of living despite dying, which is again another Christian, very very Christian theme, yeah. and um, and it just shows this little these little tweaks in thought and judgment, these little flip sides of different issues that that um that make up the ideologies running through this book yeah and then um that quote i think is in reference to like um the fact of life after death type of thing so like Mm -hmm. the resurrection after you die and so i think it's just kind of like realizing that death isn't just kind of like a dumbledore and like how it's the next great adventure. It's just like mm-hmm. you, the, the wizards that do choose to go on and don't linger as ghosts. It's just realizing that. Yeah. It's it's not that, that death is to be destroyed. It's that the fact of it being an enemy is to be destroyed. Like, it's not... That's the point. It's not going to be an enemy. Right. Eventually. For Harry, I guess. Um, that's going to be so cool. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, there's just two things I just want to point out before. We, I, it's, it's very powerful, but... 
this has to do for, for people to have the book at home and if you're looking at the chapter and you can see them just the way that the typeset is laid out it's just said in big bold letters you can see james potter and lily potter and their board their their you know the birth dates and their and their death dates and for me that was as a fan that was like just made it so much more real and i could have kind of I know that it just seems like very logical, but when you're you're trying to you're under you're empathizing at least I was empathizing with Harry and how he must have felt to see that so starkly put out right there in front of him. And as I was reading that, I, it was just a very emotional moment for me. I was reading this 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 page especially. I was like, wow, it's real. And I I just felt so much for Harry. And Harry was questioning, understanding, trying to grapple with what these words mean. You know, that enemy of it. So I understood what you know. I was glad that Hermione was like way she spoke that i just wanted to from it's purely emotional you know reaction but i just was like and then joe goes on to write about here they were that he was avoiding his eyes from the place where james and lily lay just bones now surely or dust not knowing or caring their living sons stood so near oh man mm. it just broke my heart you know yeah yeah then the hermione and harry just yes. um they take they kind of take the moment and they, they hold hands and Hermione creates a Christmas wreath, and this is one of the moments. Oh, I love Hermione. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, if you by now it's creating some yes. whatever in the fan community, but um, Joe says in my book that this is one of the two moments in the in these books in this book that Harry and Hermione share a very um, private and special moment that Ron can never be a part of. You know, he left. He this is kind of the retribution for leaving. He doesn't get to take part in this very special moment Mm. um and and had things worked out a little differently it's not entirely impossible that hermione and harry could have gotten together so yeah do with that what you will have fun harry hermione shippers you've (laughs) earned a little fun after all this time yeah i don't even get so mad about it it's just something that could have happened it's just i know right like me i wouldn't have been upset i'm like oh cool well, I just thought that was also just such a very special moment, too. I mean, you can have those kind of moments with all... You can still care about... Like, she can still be loved with Ron and still have that kind of special moment with with just her friend, Harry. And I thought that was a beautiful moment, actually, you know? I and actually I, I think a lot more of it as a friend moment than I do than I would have as a romantic moment. Oh, it's, of course. I see it just, like... They have, like, a, a um, brother-sister, you know, lo- type of relationship love. Because Harry never had that. And Hermione's an only child, too, so... The fact, like, that's something that they can probably share and that Ron doesn't understand because he actually has siblings, and so he knows what that is. And so these two kids growing up, both of them kind of, you know, Hermione being isolated at first at school because she was just kind of the way she was, and then Harry growing up with the the Dursleys, like, their friendship knitting together so well, it's just kind of like they have, they never had that relationship otherwhere else. So I see them very much like brother or sister here and just kind of sharing in that moment. I think it's really beautiful when when a, a, a man and a woman can be friends and hold hands like that, and I, I I it's it's really lovely when people can show affection for each other without worrying about overtones, undertones, whatever, mm. you know. But it is kind of funny that Job refers to a kissing gate twice, and yeah, it's kind of like a little knife twist. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> but it is. It's a very it's a very romantic it's a very romantic message, and certainly if if that's your persuasion, it had to be a, a, a nice moment you mm. it was a beautiful way to end that chapter though it, you know it, it was i wasn't sure how that was going to happen when you started out reading the chapter and like oh what would they find what would they find when they go to this grave this is such a pivotal moment and yeah i thought this was a beautifully done chapter and i just um it was a good chapter 
I don't know what to All say. Right. It's just so good. No, it's real, and it's a really introspective chapter. Not that much happens in it. No. It's not very action filled as, as compared to the next chapter. I mean, it's very introspective. Harry's walking around thinking, and I think these are some of the chapters from which grew the sentiment. Oh my god, they spent so much time camping. No, Honestly, this in is... terms of pages, they don't. If you go and count how many pages they, they, it's it's really small. It just feels like a lot because there there are these stretches of time where they're just figuring out what to do. Right. You know. See, the, what I like about this chapter is, like you said, it wasn't like huge. A lot of stuff happened, but in regard, like character-wise, enormous things happen. Just plot device, yes. not a lot happened because they're walking around a graveyard. But character-wise, just like here, this is the culmination of what 17 16 years of his life like of wondering thinking his parents were dead for so long and then finding out when he's 11 that they were killed murdered really not just you know killed murdered viciously hunted down and killed because of him too so that's probably that the misplaced guilt i'd imagine there somehow mm -hmm. um and like he gets to see the, his parents grave and like walk around the town where he lived and he was one and this was where he would have grown up if nothing happened, like this would have been the street, the like the streets I would have ran down and played with, and this would have been my neighborhood. But no, because of this horrible man, all that was taken away from me. Like what we must have been running through his head is insane. Sorry, tangent. You're exactly. I agree with you. Well, okay. Next week we're going to talk about chapter seventeen. <laughs> maybe we'll actually start getting through full chapters because woohoo. Maybe maybe we won't be fucked up with the fucking you know the two thousand eleven. Yes. A dramatic okay. chapter. Ooh, can't wait. Ugh. Okay. Scary chapter. Scary. Okay. okay, we're talking about Beetle the Bard again. Beetle the Bard. I Beetle love the Bard. The last two. I love Beetle. Hmm? I love Beetle the Bard. I can't wait for Beetle the Bard. Man, spoilers within. Warning. Warning. Spoilers within. They've only been available on the internet for. Like a one year, year. one year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> spoilers within. So um, this one is the Warlock's Harry Heart. Yeah. This is a good one. Who wants to give a, a quick a quick summy? The Warlock's Harry Heart. Okay, it's about a young wizard who was getting frustrated at his friends and his family who were falling in love. So he vowed to uh, to not allow himself to fall in love. So he he indulged in the dark arts to protect quote-unquote protect his heart from being foolish and falling in love and then over the years when he got older um he found a uh, he came across this woman that he decided like they were like perfect for each other so he figured he would let himself like be attracted to her and then she told him to put his like he she wanted him to truly love her or something like that and so he went and got the heart that he had taken out and it was in this like magical casket but it had grown hair because it was outside of the to protect itself when it was outside the body I assume and um, he tried to put it back in but then when he put it back in it was so like perverted by the dark arch that um, it actually at he attacked and killed the woman that he loved to, and ripped out her heart that was that was not like corrupted and then knowing that the heart was stronger than him he uh, instead of like trying to overcome it he just sacrificed himself this is possibly one of the most disgusting things I've ever read about. Yeah. And it just it just reminds us all that anybody who thinks fairy tales is full of sweetness and light is silly. Most of them aren't, actually. It's just Disney that makes us think that because they've watered them down so much. Right. You're right. Because Disney. they all have their stupid... Well, not their stupid. They're actually really cool little, I don't know, sidebar or stories to, like, me uh, messages to them. 
Well, it's like Amazon says. This is very Brothers Grimm. I mean, in the in the Brothers Grimm version of Cinderella, don't the don't the princesses cut off their feet to fit cut off like parts of their feet to fit the slipper? Yeah. Yeah. So, and then that's really not what we saw with Disney. No, not <laughs> really. <laughs> a little bit different. Um, Just a little bit. You know, this this story, even though it's it's really quite gruesome, um, is really. I think she, um, Joe said somewhere in a later interview that uh, this is one that maybe Voldemort should have paid attention to, or people should have paid attention to, which is interesting. But um, you know, I mean. People can relate to this story, I think, in a lot of ways. I mean, this isn't, you know, how can we shut ourselves off? We cut ourselves off and hope it an ideal. You can look at it from the larger context of what it really means. And I thought it was really, really interesting that, that it's too late and, and you can always find out too late what you really want and love. And, um, I mean, I, I guess people in the modern world will say, hey, look, that reminds me of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean when, you know, what's his name? guy with the snake or the foot eh. on his head but uh you know you cut yeah. out your heart you cut out that that phrase cut out your heart well literally the heart is cut out here and uh I just but there's a there's a bigger message which is absolutely uh, because in pirates of the caribbean it was just the means of keeping him alive and you know well, i get it but here there's the that if you if you pervert love if you right that it's supposed to be such a natural part of you that if you take it out and pervert it, it's going to backfire on you if you try to, if you try to all of a sudden, like basically you have to nurture it. Otherwise you, right. you lose it and it'll, right. it'll backfire. But this, um, oh my God, let's just think about this imagery for a second. I mean, yeah. he dies with a heart in each hand and he, they, they find him licking the heart of the maiden that he just killed. Oh my God. It's so gross. I forgot how, how how fairy tales could be, and I give her credit for not flinching and going there. You know, right? You know, it's interesting because, like an Indian, like an um, I, I did some uh, history stuff here with uh, American Indians, and uh, what well, a lot of times they used to cut out the heart of their enemy, and they would sometimes not not just American Indians, but some others would eat the eat the piece of their enemy to give them strength. Yeah, to take the strength of their um mm-hmm. of their enemy. Yeah. And, and and so that's this whole image, you know, of him looking at it is just beyond kind of obsessive. It's just, oh, either, you know, oh, God, Joe, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, it's like, this is not, uh, I don't know, this is unexpected to y'all for me to read, I say. It reminds me uh, a lot, um, no, I didn't a lot. I think there's just, it has a, um, a Shakespeare vibe to it. Yeah. Because it's kind of a tragedy, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, the... The heart has kind of um, has betrayed. It's betrayed him because it's been it's been perverted so long. Well, it, it's it's kind and, of betrayed him after he betrayed it, right? And it's his selfishness has just completely taken over, and he he now he needs a working heart. <laughs> you know, he needs a, he needs a good heart, so he kills the woman he loves. It's just so. It's so, you're right. It's very Shakespearean. It's that high level of, of tragedy. Yeah, it's just it's very um, saturated in like it's it's either. You know, like, in, you either get married or you die in Shakespeare. And I think everyone died, so... Okay, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, sorry, that was that was uh, a, a little joke. Adam Dumberley, who is in the, the Mudbloods, um, writes, writes quote-unquote normal music, quote-unquote not wizard rock music, and one of the lines in one of his songs is Shakespeare says... What's 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 the the line? Um, 
Yeah, they get everybody dies. Everyone gets married. Everybody dies, or something like that. Yeah, very true. It's true. It's true of fairy tales too. They all go, you know, off into the sunset mostly, or this happens. Yeah. Can can, can I change this? I, I love Adam, but I'll talk about mm. bloods all day. But here's yeah, this. yeah, it's fine. Um, <laughs> this, you know, I found this was an interesting choice, though, that she put this in, and that you know, out of all the tales that she could have included or written. She's talking about the power of love here, and this is another thing that that goes harkens back to Deathly Hallows about the, the power of love and, and the choice that that Harry made, and it was his love that saved him. And and yet here's someone that doesn't know. And I just like the way that she chose. I thought her her tale selection, she these five tales that she chose were really really interesting and kind of. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess this is the danger of not cherishing or not loving. Is the, the reminder of this tale, I guess. I don't know. Well, it's kind of like, it, it just shows the, um, if the power of love can be that powerful in one context, if you pervert it in the other way, it can be just as terrible. Mm-hmm. It's just like, like it's kind of like how magic is in, the, in this world, or what like money can do in our world. Money can do a lot of great power, great things, but it, it's, a, it's, you know, and they can do a lot of horrible things as well. Yeah. Like I mean, it's what do you think? Powerful I always... things. I always wonder how she gets how she's where her starting point is as a creative mind. I wonder, I mean, as, as she's a creative mind, I wonder how she gets there. That's just the kind of the way. My, oh, I'm right there with you. I, I'm always curious, and I'm, I just something something about this tells me that for Joe, the first image was of a twisted, gross, actual heart, like a with valves and everything. Yeah, and she went from there. I don't know why. I could be completely completely wrong, but. We know from the from the books she's got this really vivid picturesque Im- imagination, and I could see her thinking of this heart and growing it outwards into this into this tale about how the dark arts are, are not ever to be toyed with. And no, it makes you know uh, what I'm interested in now even more so after reading this, and I, I want to read the actual when it comes out. You know, the full story is I'd love to see like for her to actually get her explanation of how to bring Voldemort back and like how to make a horcrux because if it's she won't she doesn't want to do it I know but I mean but like but the fact she said it was too horrible to say and after reading this it's like okay well she can't you know there's some exactly you know what I mean it's like okay that wasn't just a not that I ever said it, thought it was an empty threat but one of the things is kind of like wow okay I, I get it Joe <laughs> babbity rabbity her cackling stump so you want to give a little summation who me how about Sue? Babbity Rabbity and her cackling stump is is a classic, I think, fairy tale. I call this the Gilderoy Lockhart tale. <laughs> um, this is a marvelous story. Um, it involves a greedy and foolish king, as it's known. And um, he wants to co- round up all the witches and wizards. And he actually wants to learn magic, but he needs some help to do it. So there's this charlatan, kind of phony, kind of Gilderoy Lockhart kind of guy who becomes the king's helper or advisor on this. And he, uh, oh, there's a woman named Babbity. She's a washerwoman who works for the king and um, knows that the charlatan, the so-called expert on magic, really is a, is a fraud. But then the, the charlatan goes to see Babbity's house and she's doing it, has a Mrs. Weasley moment. Where she's kind of washing her own dishes and pans in the kitchen and he realizes that she's a witch. So he's trying to black, blackmail her, I guess is the way to, to phrase it. And, um, help him out and do the, to show the, help the king and impress the king and do all these tricks um so uh 
the so the charade is on, and uh, so the members of there imagine if you will there's a big court, and the uh, they're going to witness the magic of the king, and so the king and his little helper Charlotte and Guy are going to do make a do some stunts and, or acts, I guess, and the first one is going to be amazed how they make the hat disappear, but Babbity, of course, is hiding. Meanwhile, is hiding in the background, doing actually doing all the works, all these tricks, and and doing the work for them. But um, it's, it's kind of like a, if you will, uh, a Wizard of Oz moment. The Babbity's behind the curtain back there, doing mm. actually work. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um, there's a couple different uh, things, and uh, one of the spells goes awry, and uh, the uh, charlatan help. I'm not sure what to call it. the word is used, charlatan, but I don't know what to call him. But the fake musician, magician. Um, charlatan's fine. I mean, is that right? Is that the word? Do you charlatan? Yeah. Okay, I'm not saying it right yeah. now. Um, screams that a wicked witch is is at the base of this tree, and so now the crowd is like, oh no! So uh, the the charlatan says, uh, you know, look, this woman is is causing a problem, and but he's also afraid at the same time that she's going to use her power against him. So we're going to cut down this tree where the where the witch is, and. Um, you know, I guess in your mind you can kind of see it like inciting the crowd. You know, you're at an event and they get the crowd going. So this is what they're going to try to do. But now as they're, they're going to chop down the tree, a, a loud cackling can be heard and at the base of the stump, from, at the stump of the tree where the tree has been cut. And um, she, Babity reveals herself and says, uh, witches and wizards cannot be killed by being cut in half. And to prove it, she said they should cut the charlatan in half. Uh, but this time, no, he realizes the jig is up, and so he's uh, uh, revealed, I guess. And so her voice comes from the stump. And... It's, it's basically she she manages to trick the king into into right. into treating witches and wizards well for the rest. Of it. It's like it's like the Salem witch trials with a happy ending right. meets King Midas meets the emperor has no clothes meets. There's a little Beauty and the Beast in there. There's a lot of she manages to to trick the entire um, th- these foolish wizards who are trying to control powers that they have no power over into the very opposite of what they were trying to do. He wanted to be the only one who was allowed to do magic, so everybody goes into hiding. She's la- she just laughs about it. Then he tries to um, to show that he can um, that he can that he can do it. And when he can't bring a dog back from the dead, you know, everybody starts to starts to smell a rat. And um, basically, she she turns the she turns the entire. Can I get the impression that at the very end, the spell that she that she quote unquote cast on him that if a witch or wizard gets harmed, he'll feel the pain? I don't think that it was even yeah. real. I think she just she's no, like, I think she just yeah, and it. I put a spell on you. So da 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 da, and it's so like, oh no, yeah, no, exactly. And they're so scared of her, and she 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 only re- reveals herself because she's changed into a rabbit. Right. So that's why there are these. They cut down the tree, but there's this stump, and there's his eyes, these eyes coming out. And everybody's freaking out over these, over these eyes coming out of the. St- I mean, it's 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 so cool. At the end, she just kind of hops out of there as a rabbit and leaves. But it was funny. Then they made her into a statue. Is that right? They they, they wanted to. The king wanted to. There's a gold statue. Is it? It's not of her. I don't think. Is it? Is oh, it, I thought no? it was of her. I don't know. I. It could be. It's kind of confusing for me. So I'm sorry. I stumbled through that sort of summation thing but yeah it's funny that there's this golden statue i keep i keep flashing joe is so evocative when she writes and even though these are summations that we're reading right now just in your mind you can flash back to all the different you know um, like the troy thing and all the different different idols and 
things in mythology and in history, and then there's this out comes the little rabbit. I just I thought that imagery was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it is a stout old rabbit with a wand in its teeth. Yeah. Wait. That's really funny. That's the, the statues of? That's the statue. is a stout old rabbit with a wand in its... Oh, no. I'm sorry. What is this? See, it's confusing. It's a statue of Babbity. I'm sorry. It's a statue of the woman. This is a very confusing story. It's a statue of Babbity. And, um... To... to to remind him what a fool he is. But, I mean, okay, even though I did a terrible job summation that, it, when I was reading, I still kept flashing to Gilderoy Lockhart over and over and over again. It's just like all the times he would just try and scam people. I'm like, oh, I can set these pixies free. And, and then, of course, he couldn't and somebody else. And I just, this is such a great tale, though. I can't wait to read the I whole just thing. chuckle <laughs> at the, the power of, first of all, a female, another female yes. hero. But second of all, the, the, all these people acting like outright idiots the, the crowds expecting the king to suddenly be able to perform magic the king thinking that he can right. just because it suddenly starts working the charlatan thinking that there's no spell he can he can think up that he won't the bad he won't be able to do and then they go and they turn on her and she's very calmly oh I'll just turn myself into a rabbit and think think on the spot and fool them all and change the, you know it's a very she's a very wise and in control woman which i love it's so rare in fairy tales you know, that's a good point. That's really a good point that, that uh, you know, the heroine, here's this kind of not someone you would think is normally being, you know, the great hero would be the older witch. You know, that's a very good point. Yeah. Usually that yeah, role, the, the old witch is like, oh, it's the bad guy. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Old witch with a warty, a water on her nose. I can actually and, see, you know. like, um, and the this fairy, the Muggle version of this fairy tale, like, people, as it got passed down, like, this old witch tried to do this, da, 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 and then cursed the king, and so, but in in reality, it's like it happened like this. You know what I mean? Just the, the other side of the story. Frankie, I love these conversations because what you just said just sparked a thing in my head. I wonder when all these fairy tales came, did they all like come, you know, sit around like the old wizarding days back when the founders were, you know, they told these around like by by word of mouth, and then somebody decided, hey, I'm going to write these tales of Beetle the Bard. You know, I mean, yeah, so that sounds like that, like you know. Aren't you hoping old oral tradition and put into runes? I'm sorry, Melly. Uh, <laughs> yes. Sorry. Huh? I just, you know, mm-hmm. it sounds like it's like from old, the same way our fairy tales came around. Old kind of legends people so- told people to instruct their children. Oh yes, 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 and then kind of you got... know, and then somebody puts them down into ancient runes, and then we have. So you hope that the beetle guy was like he's a real bard because I, I guess we did talk about this part, but bards were like. Uh, I keep thinking of, like, Falstaff from Shakespeare, right? But weren't they the ones that would mm-hmm. go to, around and tell stories? Yeah, a bard was, like, yeah. a minstrel, I would imagine. A traveling uh, performer yeah. who would tell stories before, That's... like, literacy was common. That's how you pass stuff down. That's why they call um, Shakespeare the bard. Right. Oh, that's right. A story. See, so I hope we get that. those kind of comments in the, you know, from Dumbledore in the book. This is kind of squirrely thing. I wonder if there's a, a wizarding equivalent to Shakespeare. This might be him. No, that's fairy tale. I don't know. Maybe Shakespeare was a wizard. Ooh, Ooh. burn! That would be cool. Huh? That would be cool. Huh? I think she would like that. That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> or that'd be cool if Shakespeare was a squib. That'd be interesting. Like he was raised in a wizarding home, and so and like his output for like. He, you know, uh, was writing stories and stuff because he kind of, he lived without, for, I don't know. In my head, it sounded really cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
All right, well, next week we're going to talk about the last one. Right? And I promise I'm not and... doing the, narr- the summation next week. I promise. Oh, Sue. <laughs> Sue, my God, stop. We're fine. No. We're fine. These are so stop, great. Stop, stop. I love these stories. I love Okay. All right, guys. Bye. Let's go and do the either bit by bit of the drums. I don't know which is coming next. So. All right. Oh, we miss John here. Where, where is John? John makes the drums. Let's talk about John for a second. So we all had, we were about to record, and we all had a little bit of a heart attack when John suddenly started fast breathing. He couldn't, couldn't breathe. He was like kind of laying on the floor of his bathroom. He said, very um, trying to catch his breath, and we're all yelling at him to go to the hospital. And it started decreasing. And then he started realizing what might have done it. He ate a hot dog from his fridge, which doesn't sound like a bad thing, but let's, let's think about this, this for a second. an ordinary hot dog. He knew that the hot dog had been in there since the dawn of time. He threw out another one because it looked bad. It tasted bad, but he ate, it the, whole, he ate the whole thing. And then he said, yeah, I, didn't, I thought that it was just natural that it had turned kind of white. What? White. John... Turn a hot dog white? How long had that been in the fridge? Honestly. So John John is sick of his own doing. (laughs) I I mean, doesn't your mind just boggle? Because, I mean, hot dogs are made of so much preservatives and all kind of things. And to make it turn white? That's pretty bad. Just saying. John, (laughs) food is always his undoing. It always is. I mean... You don't want to waste the money of throwing out food. Well... Who ate it and got himself sick. I mean, I know on. he has a stomach of iron because he puts away all those Chipotle's all the time. But come on, dude. <laughs> God. And that was very scary. We should, I, we're not making light, but I mean, he ate a white ball willingly. Goofball. Yeah. And he's okay. So that's yeah, the reason okay. why we, we that's all. it up. And it is kind of silly. We do still we still feel bad for you, John. Yeah, but what hot dogs with that? Kind of <laughs> John. Hot brought worse. Anyway. So let me tell you guys, I've been having so much fun doing our vlog. Oh yes, it is a lot of fun. I didn't think I enjoyed it so much. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I didn't think it was going to be as much fun as it is. It's a whole new way to communicate. It's great. It is. It is. I have to say, Melissa, uh, we got to see. We spent a lot of time in New York, and just recently for the celebrate, be with Melissa for her book. And Melissa and I went shopping for wigs. And I must tell you, you did a great job putting that together. And if you've not seen it, it is absolutely hysterical. <laughs> Oh, it was fun. I knew as soon as it was us in a wig place, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> let me grab the video camera. And you know what's interesting about this vlogging thing? I'm finding myself walking around with the video camera. Oh, more. nice. Cool. Which is lovely. It's really nice, actually, because then you look back and you've got all these great moments captured on video. Yeah. yeah. Such a, and you don't realize that you're... You know, a random thing to go to. And just, it was fun. But there was some great stuff for you, Frankie. You were swinging in the park somewhere with Lizzie in Central Park. It just looked awesome. Yeah, it was fun. I like I like in your last video how you're like I'm gonna soften this up with some imagery and then every now and then you just throw a piece of like wind chimes <laughs> in and <laughs> you know, I don't I'm know where you guys enjoyed that it was just it was supposed to be completely asinine because I wanted to film outside it was beautiful and then it was all windy and my my computer if it's un, if it's plugged in with a camera unplugged for a second it goes oh. and turns down I'm like Ugh. so the battery's not very good on it so I was a little upset so I figured you know what I'll just fill some some B-roll. I was being silly. I'm glad you guys appreciate it. Um, one of the things is cool. We have this wild card Wednesday, and Melissa, if you haven't seen a chance, is haven't 
yet seen this. You should go check it out. It's uh, She had put up a, a, some video of Jamie <clears throat> Waylett, and I think we had talked about this before, but it's really cool. People have been asking to go see it. Well, we also have some, some video from the election. Oh, right, movie. right, yeah. That was that. Yeah, so you had to go home by that yeah. point, but... Um, we we had we had we were out there in Rockefeller Center watching the results and it was so much fun. And uh, I think Alex, Alex from the Remus Lupins is in it and um, Cheryl is there. My sister is there, and uh, it was a lot. It of really fun. did it look was... like New Year's Eve, man. All people were honking horns. That was amazing to watch that video. It was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah, so go subscribe to that because it's really you we got should some subscribe fun stuff to it because it's like awesome and everyone is anybody subscribing to it. Oh my god! And I have got a fun thing coming you guys this monday i know some sort of no we have some friends that, that we groom what's the number i don't want to mess it up but they're pretty awesome people 3426 yeah. room 3428 man go subscribe to and them some too. of those people run our are going to be running our very cool event called leaky con yes yes man we're getting ready to make some to make some more details available about it and you should keep an eye on Leaky and make sure to get your registration because it's going to be amazing and it's only six months away. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Very, very cool. I've, I've, I was very privileged to see some of the, the plans for some of the events and it's going to be Ooh. pretty freaking cool. Seems so, sweet. Boston, 2009, May. You calendar, LeakyCon.com. Calendar, you put on. No. You know, it no. seems so far away, but after watching that trailer, you know, again, I'm, I'm more excited again from 2009, Potter-wise. Also, if you haven't yet signed up, there's like another month left to sign up for the Wizard Rock EP of the Month oh, Club. Um, and that is, you get, for $50, you get like 12 CDs, and since you're almost at the end of 2008, you'll get probably all of them at once from 12 different bands, and it's it's a ton of music for a small amount of money. All of it benefit, benefits book uh book first or first first book first book and i think also the hb alliance and that is at wizardrockclub.com another musical cd coming out too Hmm. there is and oh my god i get to announce it soon i hope (laughs) we're kind of late on it this year guys but jingle spells 2 is coming um we're gonna put up the the announcement soon they will be all shipping out at once this time in the beginning of december so nobody start yelling that you didn't get it after three weeks there's they're all shipping out at once um, it's amazing. We're going to be putting up the, um, the 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 previews to it very very soon. Last year we raised a, just a ton of money with this, and we're looking forward to doing it again. There are only going to be two thousand printed copies, so if you want a printed copy, order it fast. The rest will be going on iTunes, and there will be a special um, uh, an exclusive on iTunes that'd be really funny. So cool. check it out. Can't wait. Squeak. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I think that's it. Without yes. John here, it's less silly and less silly in the drums. Right. Without our John, yeah. no John. We will see you on the vlogs. Okay. Bye, everyone. Have a great week. Bye. Everybody. And until then, keep, keep twiddling the twiddling those dials. Twittering, twiddling, twiddling, twiddling. <laughs> keep Sorry, twiddling dude, those dials. The next password will be hot dog. Keep each other hey. safe. Keep, keep faith. faith. <laughs> Good, night. Good night. We've missed it. W three. I confess myself disappointed. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great Scott, no wonder. Look at the time we've been here for four hours. Spooky how the time flies when we're having fun. <laughs> this week's podcast was produced by the Podcast Trio and Steve Bonnet. 
Thanks to our Scribby 5 team, Aaron and Nina, and thanks, as always, to our awesome transcription elves for transcribing this and all our other episodes on Pottercast.com. For more information about the show and how to contact us and be a part of future episodes, visit Pottercast.com.